Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and online. Welcome to episode 165. Coming up on this week's show, will DAZN be the first domino to fall? Premier League and Bundesliga firming up a master plan. Our favourite programmes we've watched from the past week. Sunderland Till I Die returns to Netflix, season two. Plus we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, uh, I, I think everything is... is uh, it, it's, oh, it, it, it's hit us in terms of there's absolutely no football on at all. Um, nothing, nothing live. The only league that is still playing around the world is the Belarusian League from, from Belarus. And... Um, that coverage is not available in the, in the United States. If you have a VPN, you can log into the Belarusian uh, Premier League website and watch games through there. Interestingly, uh, this past week, uh, the Belarusian Premier League did some some deals, some uh, broadcast deals, I think in Russia, Israel, and a couple of other countries. I don't expect a broadcaster in the US to go ahead and acquire those rights, but uh, if they did, I mean... No matter who it would be, I, I think people would watch those games. I mean, it, it's it's the only football being played that we know of, really, on, on the planet. Yeah, the only only uh, sports really being played. Uh, we, uh, we've had uh, things like Wimbledon uh, canceled uh, this week. We have. I think growing concern and doubt about even the start of the American football season. I, I've talked uh, off record to uh, one or two people play, uh, working at a, a high level in university athletic departments asking about college soccer and whether they thought college soccer would start on time. And they've actually thrown caution flag up about uh, college football, which is uh, a tremendous moneymaker and cultural uh, phenomena in, in large parts of the country, including here in the state of Florida. So uh, everything is ground to a halt. Uh, I mentioned, I think, last week uh, on this show, or maybe it wasn't on this show, it was on another show, Alexander Hleb, the, the famous uh, uh, former Arsenal and Barcelona player. He's Belarusian, and he's, he's aghast that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's saying that they're they've jeopardizing player safety in order to be kind of the only one to play. But uh, they continue to play in spite of probably the biggest star that nation has uh, produced uh, in, in its history uh, being very, very much firmly against it. 
Yeah, so pretty much everything has ground to a halt. Um, I'm not sure about you, Kartik, but I know, like, for example, for example, myself and uh, some of the people I know, and my, my, some of my family have been furloughed. I mean, that seems to be kind of the... Uh, the buzzword from the last couple of weeks. And uh, I know in talking to people behind the scenes in terms of uh, soccer clubs and broadcasters, uh, there have been layoffs. There have been a lot of things happening behind the scenes that have not been announced. Um, If it's not layoffs, it's furloughs. If it's not furloughs, it is um, wages being cut. Um, So it it is the absolutely absolute nightmare scenario in terms of especially for soccer because you look at all levels all levels are being hurt with this um there's no one that's benefiting from this so um so we just have to i mean stand firm hope that this will be over soon uh give all the credit to i mean the doctors the the nurses on the on the healthcare side and uh, hope that a vaccine will be coming what in the next 12 to 18 months and just uh hoping for the best really yeah, you mentioned furloughs. Uh, these furloughs that, and, I'm, and I don't want to speak out of school here, but so I'm not going to name any names or or clubs, etc. But there have been furloughs uh, at clubs, uh, at soccer clubs, based here in the United States. Yeah. And my fear is talking to some of the people who have been furloughed. They've been given the indication that the furlough might be become a layoff if things don't get ramped back up when. The CDC's original guidelines said that they would get uh, potentially ramped back up. I think right now we're looking at no chance of that mm-hmm. whatsoever, at least in the United States. Now, Europe is another matter. We're going to talk about that in this podcast. So I, I really fear a lot of people that we know in the soccer industry uh, are, are, are out of work now uh, because they, uh, they this thing is not going to be uh, a situation where MLS and USL – and the other leagues can reboot May 10th. I uh, want to note NPSL, which has uh, uh, almost 100 teams nationally, nine teams here in the state of Florida. Obviously, through my work with Miami FC, the last few years we were in NPSL and we won the national championship. They've decided to cancel their season completely, which I think is the smart and prudent move. That also allows those clubs in that league to, to save money. I think the, the problem with the other leagues uh, Chris, quite frankly, is unfortunately the timing of this was really bad. The season started. Uh, USL had played one match day, USL Championship. Uh, USL League One was about to, to kick off uh, in a week, but they they executed all their lease agreements and 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 and, and player contracts, etc. I think what NPSL has done, NPSL has uh, a mixture of amateur teams and teams which pay players and teams that are well-staffed and teams that don't have any staff. Uh, but what this has allowed to do, allowed those clubs to do is all avoid paying uh, for stadium and rent and facilities, and it has allowed the, uh, the, the clubs uh, to, to save money, potentially. And maybe uh, those, those teams always live on the edge anyway, mm-hmm. maybe get another year out of uh, something that they may not have gotten another year out of. So I think it was a really smart action to cancel the season early. Unfortunately, that takes even more uh, football off of uh, the MyCujo device, which uh, I think most people in the in the U.S. know is filled with NPSL action, right? Mm-hmm. During the course of the the summer, uh, you could get, see as many as maybe 15, 20 NPSL matches a week on MyCujo. So that's uh, another viewing option that we're we're not we're simply not going to have at all this year. All right, so the, the, the switch gear, <coughs> gears for a minute, and, and let's focus on uh, some of the soccer coverage that we have been watching from this past week. I'm not sure about you, Kartik. Um, I, I have not been watching, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I have not been watching any of the classic matches. 
I have nothing against the classic matches in the ones that have been on NBCSN or, or FS1 or FS2. Um, for me personally, if I've seen a game, I'm, I'm usually not going to go back and watch it again. Um, and I love soccer just as much as anyone does. What I did watch from this past week, though, I did watch one classic match, and that was on YouTube. Um, the EFL has been posting, I think every couple of days, a, a different classic match, and it's the full 90 minutes. It's the uh, original broadcast, and they've gone back from as far as uh, the 1980s all the way through to the, the, some of the, the championship playoff games, some of the mem- memorable games there. Um, personally, I watched uh, Swansea against Leeds United from 1981, uh, this was a game I was at, and actually I, I, I watched it. It was the first time I've ever watched the entire game uh, that's ever been available. So that I really enjoyed. And that's on uh, the YouTube channel, the EFL official channel there. Um, one other thing I, I watched, Kartik, I do want to mention that uh, before I hand it over to you is I did watch uh, the 1978 World Cup film, the official film from uh, on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is the one that's uh, written and narrated by uh, Kia Radnich. And um, it was interesting, too, because watching this... I mean, so so the, the lens that I watched the 1978 World Cup uh, from was through TV broadcasts. Would have been BBC or ITV uh, back in you know, 1978 on British television. This is the first time I've actually gone back to watch that 1978 World Cup through the, the the lens of the official film, so it wasn't the TV broadcast with the, you I mean with the, the announcers, whether it's Brian Moore or whoever it would have, would, would have been. It was with you know, the narrator, uh, different camera angles, watching that World Cup, and watching that World Cup as a documentary um, wasn't as thrilling as I remember remember it watching it as a kid, uh, watching it on television. But still, it was really well worth it. Um, and I'm looking forward to this weekend, I think, going back and watching the 1982 World Cup, which was my favorite World Cup of all time. But uh, So, yeah, I have been watching some soccer. Um, I'll talk, talk a little bit in a minute about some of the other soccer I've been watching. But uh, what about you, Kartik? Any, any soccer watching at all? Um, yeah, I've, I've spent most of my time reading, and I'm actually reading two books simultaneously on uh, the fall of the Roman Empire or the decline of the Roman Empire, which talk a lot about pandemics. And I, I've for years made the historical comparison between the United States and uh, the Roman Empire. So this is particularly interesting for me and how uh, plague and pandemics affected them. Also, one of the books talks a lot about climate change, uh, and that's a new area of study. So um, I've been doing that. I've been doing more reading than anything and a lot of writing on, on my book on Florida history. I have watched some uh, some football documentaries. Now, this is very interesting, Chris, and might shock the listeners especially based on my previous comments, I am going back and watching Manchester City, all or nothing, Leeds United, all or nothing, and various other documentaries on Amazon Prime, um, including those World Cup documentaries. Why? Um, And I'll give a simple answer, Uh, but this this may be something that our listeners know or don't know. I watched those documentaries initially on uh, either a Roku stick or Apple TV. And it's just like watching television, right? It's just mm-hmm. like watching something on TV. Now I discovered, uh, I think kind of just um, inadvertently, because I saw they were advertising now that the Manchester City All or Nothing was available in 4K. So I was on my iPad and said, okay, well, let me see if there's 
a significant difference in, in the in the picture quality and the sound quality because I've already watched all eight of these uh, and wasn't that impressed by it. Uh, I start watching it. And then I realized when you watch it within, and this is within the Prime app, uh, and I also have a, a Fire tablet, which is an Amazon device, so I can do the same thing on there. Uh, when you watch it within the the uh, the uh, the app, the Prime app, you get a whole thing called the radar on the side, which shows um, general information uh, about uh, about the game that might be aired at that point in the documentary or. Uh, or, or, or some other general trivia, trivia about Pep Guardiola or Soriano or Bergeristan or, or whoever, and then you get player profiles that you can click on. So when they're, they're doing something on John Stones or Kyle Walker, you can click on it and get the entire player biography. Hmm. To me, that completely transforms how you watch a documentary um, and allows it to be much more interactive. And I, and I understand why they have this feature on kind of touch tablet devices, and they don't have this feature on um, on the television, but I, I will admit I have watched now four and a half episodes of Manchester City, uh, All or Nothing. I am going to go back and watch Borussia Dortmund. I'm going to go back and watch Leeds United, uh, and uh, and watch uh, probably those World Cup documentaries also. And uh, the Stanley Matthews documentary, I noticed they had that for two. Yep. So I, I watched that maybe a year and a half ago. I'm going to go back and watch that again too. So next week when we record this show, I'm going to have gone back and watched all these old documentaries which might be somewhat boring for the listeners but would have interacted with them in a very different way than I did when I just watched them on a television set. Yeah, that, that's a really cool tip and, and that's something too, Kartik, as uh, someone like yourself and I'm sure a lot of the listeners too who are voracious readers uh, who like to watch documentaries, who like to learn about the game or get some additional insight, uh, that's a great tip to, to do and I, th- I think in some ways, I, th- I think and again, I don't play around with this much on the um, on the TV when I'm watching you know, Amazon Prime, um, but there is. I think they they have the radar on the TV too, so you can actually, if you hover over, you can if you want to get uh, find out who the actor is or, or uh, different things. I mean, but yeah, sorry, I, I don't. I, should... I usually don't play with it much because I'm like, I don't want to screw it up because I'm I watching should, the, watching the movie. It, uh, okay, so that's something. That's a great tip also, and I'm I'm going to try and do that on the television. And figure out how to get it. Should mention for movies, and thank you for bringing that up, Chris. This means any movie you watch. Uh, I'm trying to watch the movie on the Peter Lou Massacre also, which was an Amazon original. That was good. Is, that was really, yeah. really good. Yeah, and I, I watched the first half hour last night and, and fell asleep. But I'm going to finish that up and then do Sunderland and then go back to watching all these other uh, Sunderland Until I Die, which I know we're going to talk about in the news section. And then I'm going to go back and watch the rest of these. Um, you get the actor information and the information about the historical event on that radar. So it's something I discovered, I guess – People who are maybe Prime aficionados who wa- have watched Prime on their tablets for years have known this and have interacted with whatever they watch a little differently than I have. And for me, as you said, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a reader and a history nut and uh, just into kind of as mu- gathering as much information as I can. I mean, half the time when I'm in the movie theater, if it's a historical movie, I'm trying to pull up Wikipedia and not bother my fellow patrons <laughs> to see you're the one. Ah, okay. Now we know. <laughs> yeah. So this this thing, this was just a revelation for me, yeah. and uh, it may sound crazy, but I think I am going to go back and watch all these documentaries I've already watched. Uh, uh, like I said, the very at the very least, the club ones, the Dortmund, the Leeds, and the Man City, which I've already uh, halfway through, and then uh, Stanley Matthews, probably the Bobby Robson one, because uh, yeah. I watched that on Amazon as well, and and now uh, realize I I probably get this whole radar feature. So uh, it's. Uh, 
it, it actually is probably uh, added uh, a couple of weeks uh, to this to this shutdown for me, and a couple of weeks worth of content. Yeah, that, and that's the thing too. To, and again, too, some of the listeners may disagree with this, though. Is that I'm not as interested in going back and watching classic matches, but I am more interested right now in watching documentaries. So whether it is Sunderland Till I Die season two, which I've, I'm I'm into, I think episode two so far. And so far, it has me hooked. I mean, for me, personally speaking, um, with this documentary, I I didn't follow their progress as much in League One when Sunderland got relegated uh, from the championship. So I don't remember what happens next. So for me, it's going in a little bit blind. So I'm actually enjoying it more. Uh, But just kind of the behind the scenes background, seeing how a club is run all the things that they have to deal with. Um, it really pulls me in big time. I mean, the first ep- the first season was fantastic, one of the best documentaries in probably the last decade. But the second season so far is really, really good. Um, another documentary I watched uh, this past week, this is another one that's on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, was one called Thank God for Football. And speaking of um, history of, uh, of history in general, but also uh, the English game, that goes into a lot of the history about uh, Blackburn Rovers and Blackburn Olympic, etc. Well, this series is, I think, about 10 or 11 episodes, and it goes into the history of um, about 10 or 11 major clubs in England and how they were founded. So it has Aston Villa, Barnsley, Birmingham City, Bolton, Everton, Fulham, Liverpool, Man City, QPR, Southampton, Swindon, and Spurs. And it talks about how each of these clubs were founded for the most part by churches and it goes into the history the, the most amazing thing is is that the uh, the, the narrator and the writer of the series uh, Peter Lupson uh goes to the actual places where the clubs were founded so for Man City he goes to uh, the church and he and he walks through the history through going through the city saying okay this is the place where they used to play it's now a parking lot like a car park I mean, so it is really, really good. So if you do like your history and you do like your uh, English football, check out Thank God for Football, which is available for free for uh, Amazon Prime Video uh, subscribers. Kartik, um something, just a couple of things real fast too. I mean, away from soccer, I've been watching, uh, I actually finished um, the last, the, the most recent season of Ozark, which is a really incredible almost like a breaking bad type of series with even drama suspense even murder and, and and all sorts of things it really it's a, it's really a soap opera if anything um that was really good but the other thing i watched and this is i only watched maybe about about 10 or 15 minutes of this and i would never watch this normally but is nascar well nascar of course is suspended just like any other major sports league in the united states but this past weekend fox sports went ahead and uh, televised live e-NASCAR iRacing, which what it is, is is that you have each of the drivers that would normally be driving in a NASCAR race are hooked up to, whether it's an Xbox or a PlayStation, whatever it is, and they are in a race in real time, racing against each other. But watching it on television and actually watching the the live uh, footage from the video game, it feels like the real deal. Like So I... I I, t- I told my kids and my wife, I said, hey, take a look at this. I didn't tell them what it was. I didn't give them any background. I said, check this out and, and tell me what's interesting about this. What's different about this this race that we're seeing on television? 
And it probably took them about five minutes before they figured it out that it was a video game. For the first four minutes and 59 seconds, they thought, yeah, this is just a normal race. What, what's different about this? Why are you asking about this? And I think it was only when they showed the dashboard of one of the cars that uh, a couple of my kids said, yeah, yeah, that, that looks like a video game. That doesn't look like it's real. But um, it makes me wonder, and it makes me curious, is when will we see FIFA, the video game, uh, live on television, uh, on broadcast television, not, not, not on Twitch, not on um, some digital channel, but live on television, an actual game being played because uh, the, the authenticity, the graphics, you mean, are really, really incredible. The iRacing one looks, I mean, out, out of this world how good it is. Um, it's got to happen sooner or later, I would imagine, especially if this drags on for uh, for months, Kartik. Yeah, so uh, I, I think one of the leagues will do it. Uh, I'm surprised MLS hasn't thus far. Uh, USL has a, a an E-League going on, but it's not a FIFA game. Uh, uh, they're not in FIFA, so that, that makes sense. Uh, but th- I, I assumed MLS would do this because they've been uh, very proactive. I shouldn't say very proactive. They've been fairly proactive in the esports space. Uh, so we'd like to see that. I, I'd like to see, uh, uh, quite frankly, the, the video game uh, I play, I'm playing football manager and uh, I, uh, but beyond football manager is golf games because they tend to have really good graphics uh, if, if I'm honest with you. So that might be a kind of a, a simulation with the masters. Uh, there's no video, uh, computer game that has Augusta because they're very protective of their, of their course. Uh, but once we get to the PGA and the U S open and, and the open championship, uh, what we call in the U S the British open, maybe we'll have some sort of simulation online. I want to make, make mention one thing about the classic games, Chris, I've been tempted to watch them on NBCSN. The pro- problem is, and this goes back to something I think we've talked about repeatedly on this show the last two years, really since Comcast bought Sky, the games that they are airing are all matches involving top six clubs. Mm -hmm. So I would be much more interested in watching a relegation scrap. And I'm just, I can't think of specific matches, but a relegation scrap from, uh, I actually remember a match between West Brom final day of the season. Yeah, or Sunderland Hull. I remember a really good match between them when they were both fighting relegation one year. Uh, Those sorts of matches, I'd be more interested in watching. I mean, quite honestly, when uh, a Fox Soccer channel was still around, I was much more interested in watching uh, Charlton games and Stoke matches and those sorts of matches near the bottom of the table when they they replayed games during the summer. Because remember, they used to do that all summer Mm -hmm. to fill their programming content. Um, So I, I... I don't have the aversion to classic matches you do, but I do have an aversion to what the matches they're showing and the matches they're picking, which are in many cases are very predictable. Uh, Liverpool beats uh, X team, Manchester City beats this team, or they're playing one another. And the, the matches between uh, top six teams in, in England, they've become more stretched the last few years because I think defending in the league just hasn't been as good as it was previously. But they tend to be cagier affairs than sometimes those those relegation six pointers. So um, that's just a little memo to NBCSN. If you change it up a bit, I probably will watch. If you show uh, uh, Watford matches, West Brom's a good good one actually. That that's probably the team. Uh, right. West Brom, uh, some Stoke matches, uh, uh, Southampton. Those few years they were struggling near the bottom, but were playing pretty good football because they've generally played good football since they came up. Uh, yeah, eight, now seven eight years ago, I I would. 
for, for those. So, so as of recording, which is Thursday, so we will have the list on worldsoccertalk.com uh, on the homepage uh, of all the games that are going to be on TV this weekend that you can go ahead and watch the classic matches and some of the other, the other programming. Uh, for example, I think Saturday, NBCSN is doing Behind the Badge. Um, last week, they did Crystal Palace. This week, they're doing uh, Watford. But on Sunday, Kartik, I want to get your opinion about this, too. So they have, I mean, every weekend now, for the, this is going to be the third weekend, uh, NBCSN on the Sunday is going to have a triple header. So I think two weekends ago, oh, actually, was it last weekend? It was Man City against Liverpool. The weekend before that was the Manchester Derby. So this weekend, the first match they have is Man City against QPR, the uh, the title-winning game, which was an incredible game to watch. That one I'm more likely to watch than, than any of the other classic matches they've had. Will I watch it? Nah, probably not. <laughs> I did watch it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Absolutely an incredible game. The second game is Everton against Liverpool from November 23rd, 2013. I can't quite remember what the score in that one was. And I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't have any interest in watching any Merseyside derby because yeah. it's been so one-sided, right? And I think they're showing it for a reason. And although that season was the first year under Martinez, maybe you no, know, Everton couldn't have won the game, right? They haven't beaten them in ten years, but um, maybe they drew, and maybe it was a draw. Probably not, though. Unless um, it was. Uh, even one, I don't know. There was that one match that uh, was it. Tim Howard had a like a howler in. Okay, so I'm, look, I'm looking at as we go on. Uh, as Actually, we, it might have this... been that match because now that I'm thinking, and I got I had a bunch of people unfollow me on Twitter after that match because I suggested that maybe uh, Bob Brad and it wasn't Bradley who was the U.S. coach. Uh, uh, Klinsman should should uh, look at Guzan as a number one going into the World Cup. Now, uh, obviously, Howard redeemed himself in the World Cup, uh, but. Uh, Guzan at that point was playing much better for Aston Villa than Howard was for Everton, and I think it might have been that specific game. So maybe that's it. Okay. Um, so the game the game was three uh, three, and, and okay. uh, spoilers there for anyone who wants to watch this game. But this is a game that uh, I guess in eighty. Yeah, the first six to nine months under Martinez, Everton were good to watch, and they uh, they picked up where they left off under Moyes, because under Moyes, they were they were very kind of negative tactically, but they were successful. They were they had actually uh, Moyes' last two seasons, I don't know if people remember this, Everton finished ahead of Liverpool in the table, even though they couldn't get results against Liverpool mm-hmm. head-to-head, and had lost to them in an FA Cup semi-final. They did finish ahead of Liverpool in the table both those seasons, so uh, there's been a lot of revision now about how, what a terrible manager David Moyes is. I, I don't... Uh, buy any of that i think he's he's quite a good manager who uh who you know took a chance i mean how can you say no to manchester united even though i have on football manager but uh how can you uh, uh say no to manchester united if you're in his position and it just kind of blew up his career unfortunately right and then the third match then is uh chelsea against arsenal from uh, october 2014 yeah that was, we- so i know which match that was that was the match where um I think there was a blow-up uh, involving Cesc Fabregas, and it made Arsenal fans irate because obviously Cesc had been theirs, had been with them from the age of 16 or 17 on. When he came back to England uh, playing for, for a great rival, really angered them. And there was some sort of blow-up, I think, even between Wenger and Mourinho on the touchline in that match. Uh, and there was just so much anger towards Fabregas. But I would repeat this six years later, uh, Arsenal did not have any interest in bringing Fabregas back. And it, it didn't go well for him at Barcelona. 
and Mourinho brought him in and won a title because of him. Right? I mean, he was, I think, their most important player. Uh, was that, yeah, and that was the season they won the title under Jose, the, in Jose's second stint. So that's why they're showing that game. That game, I actually might watch because I still have some curiosity about that. Um, the QPR game, they're going to use the Peter Drury uh, um, call, which we've never seen in the United States in its entirety. So that's also interesting uh, mm. because we got in the United States um, Ian Dark and Steve McManaman calling the game uh, for ESPN. And then in the UK, they had the Sky coverage, which is Martin Tyler calling the match. This one is, uh, by the way, Craig Burley will be the co-commentator on this uh, uh, one. So for those of you who are Burley fans, and I know there are a lot of you, including myself, who watch ESPN FC and love Burley as a studio pundit, uh, check him out as a co-commentator on that match. So actually, Chris, as we're talking about this, now I'm thinking I might watch these matches. So uh, you've just done a good job for NBC. There you go. Okay, cool. But but I I would like to see some relegation battles, though. I I mean it, it is very. I mean, like you said, which which I didn't think about until you mentioned it this morning, is it is very top six centric. Um, there are another other fourteen teams in this league uh, that would be uh, enjoyable to watch, and uh, maybe maybe next weekend we'll we'll get that. We'll have to wait and see on that. Um, Kartik, uh, anything else before we move on to the the TV streaming news section? Anything else you watched? Yeah. No. no, I mean, I, I, again, I um, am, am interested in going back and watching uh, some of those documentaries. And, and I think uh, I'll just tease this. The Stanley Matthews documentary is really interesting because uh, you don't you don't realize the scope of the English language, maybe, and uh, people around the world that uh, took to football because of him until you watch that documentary. He was really... Now, I know at the time you had Di Stefano, you had Pushkas, you had uh, Pele, uh, Pele a little later, who probably were as good, if not better, players. But they weren't English players. Um, and I have to emphasize this. The impact of the English language, you probably can first feel in, in terms of uh, the global phenomenon of football through this this great player. So that um, I remember that I remember from that documentary. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I, I have that one on my watch list, too, on Amazon Prime to, to watch it. Uh, one of the all time great players and, and a true gentleman too, a really nice guy. Yeah, and I, I think that Matthews. comes across in the, in the documentary. What, what a uh, just what a good guy he was. Right. All right, TV streaming news, Kartik. Uh, I'll have you lead this off. Um, we might find out more information uh, when after this podcast records, but for the meantime, this is what we know so far. Yeah, so the Premier League are working on an ambitious plan to restart the season behind closed doors on the first weekend of May with a scheduled finish date of Sunday, July 12th. This, along with many other things, will be discussed uh, at a meeting on Friday uh, at the Premier League. Uh, and this uh, involves playing, uh, as reported by uh, several media outlets this past week, uh, it, it has clubs staying in uh, kind of non-native, quarantined-type Olympic Village housing um, where they would play all their games in the Midlands. Uh, so they would essentially be all neutral site matches, although except for, for, for Leicester and uh, – uh, well, they would be neutral site, but you know, Leicester and Aston Villa would be closer to home, right? Yeah. Uh, and Wolves would be closer to home. Um, meanwhile, over in Liga, uh, uh, Canal Plus, who is the uh, uh, the is one of the broadcasters, domestic broadcasters, has refused to pay 110 million euro Liga uh, rights fee. Uh, the the French pay TV network informed uh, the LFP that it was in no position to pay due to a free fall in advertising revenue. Now. 
I also want to point out, uh, as we're talking about this, Chris, the Premier League's anxiousness to restart the season is, according to published reports and according to what I've heard, too, on my own uh, through my sources, entirely down to foreign broadcasters, international broadcasters of the Premier League. Sky and BT were much more willing, the domestic broadcasters, uh, to work with uh, uh, the Premier League if it meant even pushing into next season, restarting in July, going to September, October, which I think is something that most of the leagues very privately are talking about. And UEFA now kind of publicly is talking about in terms of when the season ends and and potentially ending the season at the start of what would be the next season. The Premier League, my understanding is, has pushed this really ambitious plan, Chris, uh, because of international broadcasters and of uh, BN in particular in the Middle East and North Africa really pushing hard to get this season resumed. Otherwise, they're going to do what we've seen happen in France and request a refund. Yeah, and the Bundesliga too is... uh is uh, following through with similar plans, uh, looking to play some games uh, behind closed doors. And um, again, everything's in flux. I mean, a lot of this is um, this pressure points. So, for example, we we don't really know at this point what the reaction of the players are going to to be. So if the players say, hey, all right, you guys can decide to go ahead and do behind closed doors, but the players or the players unions might say like no we're, we're not playing these games this is a risk to our health yeah. uh and and then everything stops again so things could change but it looks like the premier league and the bundesliga especially are looking to play games behind closed doors just to finish off the seasons and to fulfill their um contractual uh, contractual um, obligations which will take pressure off those leagues and will take the uh, relieve the pressure at the TV studios at least for the time being until the next season starts and and then, and then it's a whole new ball game again. Yeah, I, I think though the player element, Chris, is is really important here. I I would be surprised if the players readily agree to this. Now maybe they're going to be forced to because they're under contract, right? And there's going to be all maybe who knows even litigation or some sort of compensation well I can't imagine increased compensation at this point but uh, some sort of compensation they don't take the pay cut that maybe Barcelona and Juventus and other players are uh, based on this but it's uh, the people I talk to say that that's what could really be the snag is that players based on what they're seeing in the world of football and people in the world of football contracting the virus. The, the list is too lengthy to go through on this podcast. People, uh, a few prominent uh, former figures in the world of football, former president of Real Madrid, former president of Marseille, dropping dead from uh, COVID-19, uh, among others, right. that there is more apprehension among players to play. And I'm hearing this in the United States also, that uh, what, what we're – at first, three weeks ago, a lot of players in MLS and USL wanting to cheat the system and saying, okay, we're shut down, but let's keep trading. Let's do these things. Now, as the the scope of this pandemic is obvious, they don't want to be anywhere near teammates to train or anywhere near um, uh, other people. And then there's also the fear that they could get infected and then spread it to their family. So there's... Um, I think that's going to be the big snack. So keep an eye on that. Player power is something that managers have complained about, like Sir Alex Ferguson and others. And the power of agents is something that we're seeing um, front and center all the time in the game. Most most recently, uh, Haaland's move to uh, uh, to Dortmund, which was uh, engineered by Mini Raola, uh, allegedly or reportedly because he got, uh, you know, he dictated the terms to the clubs, not the player, not the player's family. He dictated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but th I think this is going to be interesting because that's going to be the big key. What, what do the players and player agents say? Yeah, yeah. And in, in related news, um, a report in Sports Business Daily uh, mentioned this week that DAZN, the streaming service, has started telling sports leagues that it will not pay rights fees for any games that have been suspended or content that has not been delivered because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, DAZN is believed to be the first media company uh, within the U.S., uh, to withhold rights fees. Most media rights contracts mandate that networks continue to make payments even when games are not played. In the past, those payments have occurred during work uh, stoppages. Now, this is a big deal because um, even though DAZN is not a big player in the United States, worldwide it is. I mean, worldwide, yeah. it has um, many of the rights in Germany, in Japan, and, and other countries, uh, um, mostly Western Europe. Um, and for them to say, okay, hey, we're not we're not paying, this causes a domino uh, effect because then uh, the leagues are not not getting the money that um, they were supposed to be getting, uh, which means the clubs are not getting the money, which means um, it could be come to a point where the players uh, may not be getting some of this money because that cash flow is not coming through. What this does, though, Kartik, to me, though, um, even though DAZN's not as big of a player in the U.S., uh, once everything is once everything comes back to normal, hopefully soon, but once life is back to normal, if it ever is back to normal, whatever normal is in the future, I wonder if um, sports leagues and um, confederations are going to think twice about doing a deal with DAZN because this sets a dangerous precedent. Uh, now it's likely that maybe some other sports uh, streaming services might follow suit and do something similar to what DAZN's doing. And... Um, I don't know. I just worry about the future of DAZN because most of the content they have in the United States is you know, MMA or boxing or, or fighting uh, things, and there's there's very little content on there that is uh, that is new. It's they have a, a couple of chat shows, like talk shows, talking about uh, I think fighting or boxing, which are pretty poorly done, and and that's all they have. So um, the future doesn't look bright for them by any means, but. Um, the future doesn't look bright for the industry as a whole. But, uh, yeah, so worrying signs there for DAZN especially. Can't take uh, some Bryson news, perhaps? Yeah, NBC Sports Gold is now uh, free through April 30th, so you can check that out with all uh, – all, uh, obviously, there's no live matches going on, but there's a lot of Premier League productions, uh, shows that they keep churning out that uh, is on uh, NBC Sports Gold. So it's free through, uh, through the end of April. And uh, next up is the Bundesliga. And this is really more of kind of an observation, but the Bundesliga doesn't seem to have any luck, uh, especially in the United States. Uh, ESPN was planning on uh, using Euro 2020 to launch a campaign to promote its coverage of the Bundesliga on ESPN+, Plus, which would have been launching in August of uh, the summer. Now, with no Euros this summer and an unknown date for the launch of the 2020-2021 Bundesliga season, the German league is going to miss out in more ways than one in terms of promotion, discussion, you mean promo ads, etc. Um, the coronavirus has also been a big blow for ESPN Plus too. Uh, yes, there are thirty for thirty soccer documentaries, some good ones there, uh, and ESPN FC, which is uh, still daily uh, weekdays. But uh, but that's about it for fans of uh, the beautiful game. So most of the content on there is, I mean, whether it's basketball or football or golf or other things. Um, so it's uh, really at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a bad luck for the Bundesliga, 
Uh, but again, hopefully things will go back to normal soon. And Kartik, just one more, more news item. Yeah, so Ray Hudson's going to make his return to the MLS broadcast booth uh, with Inter-Miami, paired alongside Andres Cordero, uh, who has been uh, in and around uh, uh, calling matches for Goal TV and BN now for about 10 years. Actually uh, uh, brought him to to the stadium Inter-Miami's playing at uh, for the NASL final in 2011. I remember walking Dre around into the dressing rooms, walking him as, as the press officer uh, around the stadium and I think that might have been the first uh, really big match he called, uh, along with Juan Arango and George Metalis. Uh So, Dre Cordero and Ray Hudson at Inter-Miami and I think this is going to make Inter-Miami's local broadcasts uh, or what, whatever broadcast you can get on ESPN Plus, uh, for those of you outside South Florida, outside of the viewing area, really exciting. This, to me, will be interesting to see if more people watch Inter-Miami's matches once we resume on ESPN Plus, on uh, MLS, MLS Live via ESPN Plus, than other teams, just because of Ray. And uh, moving on to TV ratings, Kartik, obviously there's not uh, any TV ratings to talk about, but there are reruns, there are replays of different games, like, for example... Uh, this past weekend, uh, uh, BN Sports was showing um, El Clasico. They'd have uh, replays of some of the El Clasicos every night at 9.30 Eastern Time. A question for you, putting you on the spot, Kartik. Uh, during the past two weeks, what do you think the largest audience size was for uh, any one of these games that have been shown on BN Sports? What would you estimate that, that, that average viewing audience for the biggest game that they've shown the last two weeks? Okay, so I'm going to guess that it was probably an El Clasico. Um, I don't know which El Clasico it could be. It might maybe uh, of the 2011 match where, uh, no, I don't think it was that. Well, whatever the case, I'm going to guess 40,000. Yeah, and it's a good guess. Um, it's, I mean, the biggest number I've seen from the past couple of weeks has been about uh, 30,000. So uh, the biggest games that they've been showing, anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 viewers watching those games, which goes to show how much of an impact this is having. Just This is just one example. Obviously, uh, NBCSN, I mean, look at all the channels. All the channels are having issues in terms of uh, viewing figures, uh, people not tuning in as much because they're watching other things or doing other things. And... Um, but that's a good indication, I mean, of, of kind of the drop-off. I mean, from a a game in La Liga that would be live on being sports on any given weekend could have 300,000 to 500,000 viewers. And now we're looking at uh, anywhere from 20,000 to 30,000 viewers. Next up is uh, Lister Mailbag. And first up is Dave Bronk. Dave says, thanks for keeping going with the pods. I have a DirecTV subscription with FS1 and FS2 included. Is there any way to watch current season Bundesliga games on demand? Also through the Guardian Football Weekly podcast, I learned of the Stadio podcast. I think you'd both enjoy it. So Kartik, I I subscribe to the Stadio podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to the episodes yet, but I'm going to check that out. Uh, The Bundesliga... You may know, but I went to so I went to the Fox Sports YouTube channel, thinking I'd see something there. And I went to um, I think I guess the Bundesliga channel too, looking for on-demand games. I couldn't find any. Um, as far as I know, I don't think the Bundesliga has been broadcasting any classic matches uh, that I know of. What I would say to Dave is that uh, I know that Fox Soccer Plus has been showing some games. So uh, obviously most of us don't have Fox Soccer Plus, but if you do have Fox Soccer Plus, you might find some of the Bundesliga games on there. That's that's the only place I could find anything. But um, 
I, I, the Fox Soccer YouTube page has um, condensed highlights, or not? I shouldn't say condensed highlights, extended highlights, but they may even kind of be because of that condensed games. Uh, but they only have it, I think, still from the last two or three match days. So for the season, no. They don't, but it, uh, that, it, if that holds you over, that's the best I can do, unfortunately. It is indicative, though, what Fox has been showing. So, for example, FS1 and FS2 mostly have, if when, when they do show soccer, which is not that often, which is usually uh, weeknights sometimes, it's usually been mostly U.S. women's national team games uh, and a, a few U.S. men's national team games and a few MLS games. But no Bundesliga. I mean, obviously, they know that they don't have Bundesliga next season, so they've kind of thrown in that towel. Um, but it is a bit indicative that rather than showing the best games, they're showing the games that are going to benefit them in the future. You mean the, those that, that trying to make sure that audience is still plugged into Fox Sports? And this past week too, they, I think they did a live broadcast on the Twitter channel, on the Twitter accounts with. Uh, I think John Strong, Alexi Lalas, and Stu Holden talking about U.S. men's national team, women's national team, and Major League Soccer for the most part. So, so they're staying true to their target audience. And um, but yeah, the Bundesliga has been left out of of this really. I, I think for the most part. Vincent Dorosco says, thanks for keeping up with the show. It brings a sense of normalcy to me. With this downtime, I would recommend reading some books. Soccer Starts at Home by Tom Beyer is an excellent book for parents with young kids. I also recommend Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World by David Epstein. Nick says, you guys talked football manager last week. Is there any way to get an online league of managers together for some soccer simulation on PC or PlayStation or something? Don't know if football manager is the best option or another game out there is better for this. Could be a fun diversion to get a little uh, uh, league together among you two and diehard fans to burn some time between now and when soccer actually returns. And I'll hand it over to the the football manager expert on this podcast, uh, Kartik. That's a great question because I don't – I've never played Football Manager with a group of people. I've just played it individually. I, I think FIFA and, and PlayStation games are more suited for that. I think Football Manager is more something you play. I mean maybe you can you, you can set it up to where you're playing in the same league at the same time as someone. But then again, you might get relegated or whatever the case uh, that, at the end of the season. But it, 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 I don't know that you can play in an online league for Football Manager, unfortunately. I did watch um, Twitch this week, and I watched uh, somebody was playing Football Star Manager, which is the original Football Manager from back in like the nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, uh, and somebody was playing that in real time and uh, talking through his his choices and showing the game, and people were watching that. That that was pretty cool. I mean, you couldn't play the game with him, but you could watch him play in the game, and and I I, I found found that mildly entertaining. Last but not least, Kartik, RJ Hawkins uh, has a question. Radio coverage of soccer in the U.S. is severely lagging. I live in a market with five full-time sports radio stations, and in-market MLS is the only coverage. Can you explain the radio coverage, major players abroad, especially in the U.K., and their accessibility here in the U.S.? Now, this is um, a great question. Um, let me lead off here, Kartik. So, so 
with coverage, I mean, BBC is, is the, main, the main player in the UK. So, for example, actually, I'd say at this point, actually, for soccer, it's BBC and Talk Sport. So with BBC, actually, there's, there's many, many different options, but uh, you can get local stations. But, but the, probably the easiest way to do it would be that uh, BBC Radio 5 Live is their talk and sports channel. So on weekends, uh, they will have coverage of some of the games Although oftentimes those are blocked, so you'd have to have a VPN to listen to those uh, those radio coverage. Your best bet, if it's um, if it's the Premier League, would be uh, Talksport, and Talksport has a uh, I think it's on TuneIn. They have a um, a live Premier League uh, radio commentary of of many of the games, so you can listen to there, and, and also even Talksport Two I think does um, the Championship games oftentimes, like quite a few of those too. And uh, the other option is uh, BBC World Service, which is available um, online uh, as well as through TuneIn, etc. And they will have oftentimes the Saturday 10 a.m. Eastern game, and that will not be blocked. So they will have um, they'll go in and out of soccer and talk about rugby and other sports going on. But oftentimes they will have coverage of that game. Sometimes on Sundays, too, you'll have access to that, too. Anything else, Kajik, you can think in terms of the radio coverage that um, to share? No, those are basically it. But I know multiple people in the U.S. that uh, that that use various uh, apps to listen uh, to that coverage rather than actually watching the matches or uh, listening to the to the world feed or the NBC uh, feed. They'll they'll have the match on, but they'll be listening to the radio commentary. Uh, there's still something about radio commentary that attracts a lot of, of fans, particularly of, of English football, to the game. And, and as we've talked about on this show repeatedly, many of the top commentators started out as radio commentators first. So yep. uh, there's still something about that. And now why we don't have um, – players in the u.s this is a this is a really good question because that's always been something that i thought might at some point take off radio coverage of other soccer related entities in the u.s and it just hasn't even the mls thing it's a lot of like local radio broadcasts and i think generally people uh, are more into uh streaming games than listening to local eight radio broadcasts of, of uh, mls matches and in terms of uh uh, lower divisions, we, we, we've seen the radio space there kind of just completely fade uh, mm-hmm. from having radio broadcasts in, in the late uh, uh, 2009, 2010 t- uh, time period to uh, to 10 years later, virtually nothing. Yeah. And the other thing, too, about uh, BBC Radio is that you can get local BBC Radio broadcasts, too. So, uh, for example, for me, I can listen to BBC Radio Wales and get commentary sometimes of a, a Swansea City game or a Cardiff City game or a Wales game. Uh, you can also listen to sometimes BBC London might have some uh, broadcast of uh, local games to that region. So if it's a Fulham game or something like that. Uh, some of the clubs actually have their own radio stations too, where they're broadcasting some of the games, uh, depending on which league you're at. Um, that's also an, another option. Some of the some of the clubs too will have live streaming of games, but will also offer live audio commentary of games. So if you're a fan of um, Swansea City, as one example, you can subscribe to a uh, season-long subscription to listen to the audio of games or to go ahead and watch the games uh, live on on, on, uh, live streaming, like video streaming too. So there's lots of different options. The other thing, Kartik, too, is with uh, 
the BBC, I mean, a lot of that, the funding that they get for running in the BBC, the actual radio stations, is comes from the TV license. Um, and then Talk Sports is a, a commercial radio station. So there's lots of ads on, on that too. So that in terms of the US, I guess the, the Sirius XM would be the, the best comparison uh, to something like Talk Sports, where, you I mean, the Sirius XM is, is a subscription-based but for the most part, there's not a lot of radio coverage on there, I don't think. Um, and even for the last World Cup, I think it was pretty terrible that all they did was take the, the Fox Sports TV feed and use the audio from that to be the radio broadcast. So people were listening to the radio World Cup games on Sirius XM FC, trying to understand what was happening in games. But the, the commentary were, was for the TV audience. And the TV audience was, I mean, the, the TV commentator was uh, talking about things that the radio audience couldn't see, obviously, but also couldn't understand or picture because it's two completely different commentaries. So so part of it is, I mean, whether it was Sirius XM's F, uh, decision or if it was Fox's decision, who knows what, but it's really kind of mailing it in. You need to have a radio commentator commentating the game for radio, which is different than the, the TV commentator for, for television. All right, listeners, we want you to have your say. Uh, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Listener mailbag of the week was uh, RJ Hawkins for that great question about the radio. Uh, taking us back to the good old days <laughs> of following games through uh, shortwave radio and, and uh radio back in the day before there was telev- tele- television coverage available. Kartik, uh heading into another week, um, what, what's your plans for this weekend? I, I know you mentioned uh, you were going to catch up on some uh, radio, uh, radio, uh, soccer documentaries and, and maybe some pl- classic games on, uh, on the Sunday. Uh, what else is going on in your life? Yeah, and obviously uh, Sunderland Till I Die, I want to definitely watch that and uh, uh, chronicle get a get a sense of Stuart donald's takeover is he as uh financially clueless as, as <laughs> uh, i see the thing from the outside i and and i know this documentary in, in season one was a very honest look at a club so uh, and that was under ellis short let's see if, if if season two is similar because from the outside it looks like they're they're um the takeover has not necessarily been a great thing for the club although getting short out of the club was a good thing so want to watch that uh, i'm going to continue reading uh, my kind of history things on on the roman empire uh, and pandemics and climate change there as well as uh continuing to uh to work on my book on florida history and then uh, i think i'm you've sold me on those nbc classic matches i will at least uh uh probably watch uh one or two of them and, and me and i'm gonna i'm gonna set my dvr to, to tape all three of them yeah and two more updates here for me for me before we go is the first update is that uh i have launched a brand new website so worldsoccertalk.com will continue and we'll continue doing the, the podcasts uh and continue uh, staying focused on the soccer coverage but i've launched a new website it's called uh, comparestreaming.com and uh it will have if you're trying to figure out which streaming service is best for you, whether it's Sling TV or, or Fubo or YouTube TV or whatever it may be. Um, what it is is the site itself gives you a choice of uh, selecting the channels that you like the best, and then it gives you a recommendation of what streaming service is uh, the best for those channels. 
Also, it features a whole bunch of uh, blog posts about some of the the, the best uh, movies and TV shows and news from the industry, some recommendations and things to watch. Uh, we've got an article this week about uh, 10 YouTube channels that uh, we recommend you watching, everything from food and movies and culture to, to soccer, too. Um, and then the second update I've got is that uh, coming up this weekend, we've got uh, the next episode of the Heart of the Game podcast uh, series, which is hosted by Nate Abarea. And uh, last episode was Ian Joy. And uh, next up is Taylor Twelman. And that one will definitely be a must uh, must hear in terms of some of the some of the things, some of the um, opinions he has, as well as his story about um uh, how he became a co-commentator, which is uh, particularly enlightening. All right, Kartik, so heading into another weekend, uh, we have certainty. We have certainty in knowing that there's going to be no live soccer unless you're uh, based in Belarus or have access to the Belarusian uh, Premier League. But other than that, uh, what should they do? Enjoy your team soccer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.